Before we jump into this episode, let's hear from our friend Nolan and every podcast I love is dead. Do you love music? Music news and guest interviews with artists from all around the world across many different genres? My name's Nolan and I love music. In fact, I love music so much I created a podcast entirely dedicated to it called Every Podcast I Love is Dead. Every week is a brand new episode where I interview musicians, artists, podcasters, radio hosts, and so much more. New episodes are available every Thursday on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, and you can check us out on social media and at everypodcastiloveisdead.com. Hope you can join me. Matthew Thomas. This is Super Cool Radio. Got a bit of a crowded screen here. We got a very special episode. This is actually the first episode on Super Cool Radio that will feature multiple people from multiple different bands for this podcast. So, And all these bands will be performing live at the Debonair Music Hall coming up in Teaneck, New Jersey on October 30th. It's going to be a really awesome show. So let's dive into this episode. Let me introduce my guest this time. First, people should be familiar. He's been on my show before. He is from the uh, the band Nash, who performed at the Blue Ridge Rock Festival this year, and he's appeared on Super Cool Radio. Please welcome Joe Nash. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it, bro. Thanks for having me back, man. Of course, of course. I, I had a great time, even though I think you lied to me a few times. But that's okay. Yeah, we got through it, though. At the end, I think we were... Sort of on the same page. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. <laughs> Up next, my my uh, next guest of this time also performed at the Blue Ridge Rock Festival this year, and in, in July released a awesome song entitled "Monster." She's a hard rock independent solo artist from Rockland County, New York. Please welcome Alex. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course, thank you. I gotta give big props to Nash, uh, their team for setting this up. Uh, as I said, I was, I've been very busy lately, so I'm glad uh, I didn't have to do too much. I could just show up and everybody's here. Yeah, no, big props to Lauren, who sets all. She's just awesome. She's like I said before, I can't, you know, organize my way out of a wet cardboard box. So she's she keeps us honest, bro. Honestly, <laughs> at least you're here. I know. At your own house. Exactly. <laughs> And of course, uh, the last guest, the uh, part of a band that performed at the legendary Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. They're an awesome pop rock band from New York. Please welcome Chris of Wild Plains. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on the show. Of course, of course. Thank you all for being here. I'm glad we were able to actually do this. As I said, very special episode. This first time I, I've only interviewed bands from like just just a band and different members from them. This is actually the first time I've banned 
uh, from a bunch of different uh, bands here on this episode. So I appreciate you all being here today. Uh, that's cool. That's awesome. Appreciate you having us. Yeah, it's been uh, awesome. So uh, people should be familiar with Nash. I've featured them on my show before. I've, I've interviewed Joe, as I said. Uh, so before we dive in, obviously, we're going to talk about the October 30th show, uh, the Debonair Music Hall. Mm -hmm. But uh, before we get a little familiar with the other guests here, uh, so Alex, you are, a, as I said, a solo uh, independent artist. So uh, how did you get started um, as a solo artist? So um, I had always like written my own music. And I, I actually did theater for most of my life. And then I would just like write kind of as like a, an outlet. And um, there at time realized that that wasn't really what I wanted to do anymore. So I just, I wrote a single and then came out with a music video and then kind of realized that this is kind of the path I wanted to go. So I have great musicians that I work with and it just kind of like spiraled into what it is now. Very awesome. As I said in the intro, I really enjoyed uh, Monster. That, that song really rocks. I really enjoy it. Thank you. That was, yeah, that was a fun one. I wrote that during quarantine because I was, you know, quarantine was a weird time for everybody, I think. And uh, yeah, I'd written that and then it just, I was so happy with the way everything kind of came out. And uh, that was like the first time um, I'd actually done like a full demo on my own. And it was just crazy to hear like the real, <laughs> basically like I do everything in my basement. I don't, I play piano and synth and stuff like that. So it's just crazy to hear like real drums and how like everything was brought to life. And it was just better than I could have ever imagined. So I'm really proud of that one. Definitely. So song was really awesome. Uh, so like, how was it, uh, as, you, as you said, you wrote it during quarantine. So how was it? Uh, was it a, a different experience than previous writing sessions or recording sessions? Um, not totally, to be honest, because I do write all the songs, like, on piano first, and then, um, they'll get, like, translated into guitar and whatnot, but so, like, I will, like, do, like, a demo session on my own and kind of come to the studio and be like, okay, like, this is the song that's kind of, like, built around it. Uh, so essentially the same thing kind of happened, but this is the first time that, like, a full, like, I added, like, drums and everything to the song. And so I had a better vision of like kind of what I wanted. Um, so it was different in that aspect also, cause I was like, you know, I didn't have the luxury to like go to him from the studio all the time. So it's kind of like everything had to be like presented as is. Gotcha. Uh, so, uh, so I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna talk to uh, Chris of Wild Plains. So uh, how do Wild Plains come together and uh, how is it working with uh, Andre? Uh, I actually met Andre in acting class at RCC. Uh, I, I don't. Johnny may have been in that class as well. Oh wow, he um, knows everybody. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Probably would have been. He's that was. I mean, he's still kind of in that world a little bit. So yeah, I think that was like 2013. I believe when I met Andre, <clears throat> and I actually joined his band, The Always, at the time. And uh, their guitar. I know that. I know that name. Band. Always, yeah. Austin, like you're in the <laughs> yeah, we're like, <laughs> learn something right. new every time on Super Cool Radio. <laughs> it's coming together. Right, right before they uh, they like totally split ways. I was I was a part of the band for a couple of a series of shows. We went up to Canada, and in, in Canada, when we were twenty, we were old enough to drink up there. So Andre and I just went like balls to the wall, and then we just realized like, oh, 
that's my best friend. That's my friend. <laughs> and started that band split up. So I was like, you know what? I am a singer songwriter myself. So I was like, yeah, I could write songs. Fuck it. Let's just do our own thing and, and like not, not give up at that time. 20, 21 years old felt like old. Now I wish I could fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like fuck, we're 21, dude. We gotta, we gotta push now. Figure out how the fuck we're gonna make this work, and it's been like seven years now, and we're still doing it. Guys, what I when I was researching you guys to prepare for this, I liked uh, I was like one of your latest uh, YouTube videos. I was in the backyard. You were obviously playing music in the backyard. I like how they're like, all right, so we're gonna do like a little call and response kind of thing, and then like, okay, we're gonna do it now. Oh wait a minute, that's not right. We're gonna. Oh, try- yeah. <laughs> and then it's got to come back around, and then you went to uh, do it. I thought that was very funny. That's when the timing in my head doesn't match up with the uh, the progression of the song. That had me laughing. I was, I, I was just listening to it because I was making my notes, and I, and I was like, oh, "Hold on, I got to actually watch this. I want to see this." <laughs> I'm not a person. <laughs> So definitely. So, uh, so I just come up with the name Wild Plains. Uh, it's like not even a cool story. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We were, called, we, we were called White Plains, and we spelled it differently, like W H Y T, because we thought that was cool at the time, and it was really actually stupid. But we we thought it was interesting because we were like, "How the fuck do you come with a band name? Like, what's what's original? What's catchy? What's gonna make the sound?" We didn't really have a sound that we were going for. We didn't have an image. We really had no direction at all. So we're like, there's a band called Rixton on the radio at the time. Rixton. And they had, I can't, I can never remember. And I never Googled it after I say this. Uh, they had a hit song and it was huge, big fucking song. And it was like, and that's the, that's their hometown in England. I was like, oh, what's a hometown name we can think of? Rockland? Hell no. <laughs> white planes are like oh that's i guess that's kind of cool and everyone's like well, whatever fuck it let's do it we changed the spelling and then we had a fake manager bullshit us and swindle us and uh ended up copywriting our name or trademarking the bandits we were no longer legally allowed to use it it's fucking weird Jesus so we're like all right. his mom was like what about wild planes we're like all right f- that that's great it works and because it's close in sound and it represents the same thing. Facebook allows you to change the name mm-hmm. and still maintain all of your likes and follows and whatever the fuck. So it just stuck with it. It's very odd. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. This band's gonna be so huge. I'm just gonna copyright it right now. They won't not tell. That's that's very odd. I know he copyrighted our songs. Wow. We wrote with a series of bunch oh, of songs, yeah. and he copyrighted and trademarked our band name. In like what and all the entertainment, music, art, band, like when you trademark things, you have to trademark it in certain yeah. realms and uh, uh, categories, so that that way someone else in the trademark with the same name can do like in a food restaurant can use White Plains for whatever reason, but it can't be anything music or entertainment. So that that is super odd, <laughs> and that costs money too. Like it's not yeah do that. He's a real douchebag. Well, he must have told you guys we're gonna. It was gonna be big, so he's like, "Let me get, let me get in this." Oh, yeah. You know, he sold us the story. He he was friends with Jimmy Iovine. He was Jimmy Iovine's lawyer. He was rubbing mm. the elbows with Usher and all these artists and managers, and it's gonna get us into to uh, Interscope Records and get us a deal and all the same shit. We're just like, "Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. That's cool." I was just writing songs, writing songs, and 
I'll never forget Dang. our first one of those. We we played a talent show at Spring Valley Senior High School where we all went to school, and mm-hmm. the security guards like, "You got a demo? I know. Uh, <laughs> I know Anthrax. Oh, classic. I know Anthrax." I'm like, "Oh shit!" We're sitting there throwing CDs. I mean, he didn't make any money off of us, but you know, I'm like, "All right, you know Anthrax, like the disease, exactly. you know, not not the band, <laughs> yeah. the the virus or whatever the hell it is, the biological yeah. weapon." Cool. Yeah. I love when people just name drop, and I'm just like, I don't trust anybody or believe anybody, so I just, I'm like, nah. Sorry. Yeah, that's, Everyone's everybody. It's know? a good attitude. We we swooned at that for a while, probably even as early as last week, but <laughs> you never know. I, I've had so many people like tell me, like, oh, I know this person. I could do this. I could do that. I'm like, okay, set it up. Well, you see, I kind of yeah. can't do that. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Okay. That's because yeah, they, they knew somebody who knew, who said they knew somebody, and they yeah. were bullshitting them. So they just took on the whole yeah. story of that person that said they knew somebody. Now they set, trickle down. Yep. Don't know them. Indeed. Yeah. And yeah. I know. I know this guy who knows this guy who knows this guy who knows this guy's cousin who yeah. knows that guy. Oh, yeah. also, I had someone once tell me that, like, and this is true. Like a lot of people, like even like, um, you know, like saying like Beyonce and stuff like that. There might be like 30 something producers credited on one of her songs. So it's like, oh, yeah, like I worked with Beyonce. It's like you might have a credit on her song, but you also might not have even been there when it was done. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. it's full of shit. Yeah. We knew yeah. Mixed, who mixed up Monster by Rihanna and Eminem. I mean, he's, he was a great, cool studio. We actually went to a studio in Brooklyn. So this is with the manager that was bullshitting us. And uh, he was like, this guy, he's rubbing elbows with, with uh, Rihanna. And Eminem, and he's 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 a producer in the studio. And we went to the studio, and this guy's like, "I get sent the records from the from the from the company from the record label to mix them, and I get a paycheck, and that's the last I know of anything that has to do with anything. I, don't, I never met these people. I don't know nobody." Yeah, at least at some point somebody was honest. You know, you go yeah. sometimes you chase it. It's like, you know, and this is Matt. This is a therapy session for everybody here. <laughs> this is. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it happens a lot. Like you said, like Chris said, you know, I, I don't know what the rationale is. Maybe they just make them feel better about themselves. But, um, you know, even if you are somebody doesn't mean you could do anything for, no. you know, does, you know, it's just, it's, it's like a minefield out there. It, it definitely, even like with the, the stuff I do, which is, I don't think is a, it's not as complicated as, you know, obviously being a musician, you know, touring, playing shows, making music, and like people still like lie to me about stuff. As I said, like you know, oh, I I know this person, and I'm like, cool, let's you know set it up, we can do it. And they're like, well, I really don't. I'm like, oh, well, thanks, yeah, <laughs> thanks for wasting my time. Have a good one. You put the money where the mouth is. Yeah, my advice anytime somebody says, it, yeah, sure, I'm like I'll email, I'll email, I'll call. As soon as you start asking for money, then that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can, works. you can make that connection all you want but you know. yeah it's weird like this week i've had like you know like, you know instagram's like i think it's like the worst like you know, i always get these scam messages like hey we, we want to help you build your you know audience and whatever yeah. just you know, send us yeah. money to this whatever account and whatever i'm like oh yeah delete 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 you know all that yeah yeah we get those all the time made me feel special no exactly yeah all right. Well, now, now we had a really great therapy. Now session. that we're all sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you now that we brought everybody down with all of that. Uh, so, 
all of you guys will be performing at the Debonair Music Hall on October 30th in Teaneck, New Jersey. So what can people expect from this show? Well, I mean, I'll go for, I mean, you know, I think, uh, I haven't really had the pleasure of seeing Alex or Chris live. Um, Alex, I could have had the opportunity. It was just so chaotic. Um, nice. but you know, I think you don't get as far as, you know, I think you could write good music. I think you could put good music out there, but you don't get as far as we all have here without an electrifying performance. Really. I think that, you know, um, which is the reason you go to live shows, right? Like you see how crazy everybody can get and how nuts everybody gets on stage, you know? So I think, I think the energy, you know, you could download our music, you could buy the shirts. That's awesome. That's great. Do all that stuff. But, you know, come out and see us, man, come out, see all of us, you know, get there um, for the first band, stay all the way through to the last band. Um, Cause you'll never know what you'll fall in love with. You know, I saw, we played a show with, um, uh Doyle from the Misfits, right? He has his own band. Yep. Um we did a show with him a couple of years ago. And you know, we had to be there early. You, everybody else knows you go for the load in, so you're probably there the whole time. And I fell in love with this weird band Element A440. Really weird. I think at one point they were wearing like these skin masks, like, you know, like a la Slipknot, but like super creepier. They were like an industrial band. I don't like industrial. I never, industrial metal is not my thing. I absolutely love them. So the fact that I'm there, I discovered this band that I follow. I bought a shirt and I think underwear. They were selling underwear. I was like, I'll buy that nice. underwear, whatever. Um, so come out. Industrial metal like Rammstein? Yeah, but like weird, like super porn, like there's porn and playing in the back. They had these screens. Oh, these, uh, that's great. It was, at the, it was at the loft in Poughkeepsie or the Chance. Oh yeah, they, yeah. They brought their. They had these screens and was playing like, like henta, like you know, like Japanese anime porn or whatever. And I was like, whoa, you know, awesome. yeah. I was like, this is like you think like that would be like the easy just like shock factor, but their music actually was legitimately good too, in my opinion. Awesome. But yeah, like industrial Ramstein type, you know, stuff like that. I'm on a big What's that? And they sell underwear too, so. Yeah, well, they were like that, yeah, like this super like hypersexual sort of vibe to them, you know, and I went to sort of shake their hand and I was like, I, I don't want to get whatever you guys got, but you're great, you know, it's, you guys are fucking, I bought a bunch of stuff, I bought a CD, I bought a shirt, um, and maybe the underwear, who knows, I forget. That's awesome. That's the best part about this, the little the tight-knit shows like that where especially at the loft, like the, the merch tables on the, to the left when you go up the steps. Yep. Or you put them in the back. I, I played there before. My brother's band played there a bunch of times. And that's a cool spot. Loud as fuck. Super cool. Yeah, you, you, go, you go deaf. What's that, Alex? As I was really loud, I played there last, no, oh my God, 2019, November. Um, yeah, it was a really cool little venue. And um, it just, I feel like it has really good vibe there too. Oh yeah, super cool vibe. Yeah, yeah. I like to play. I like to play those, like the loft and uh, downtown. Alex, I'm sure you've, you've you, you're aware. Like the pianos yeah. bar, which is great. The uh, yeah. Arlene's grocery down there is, is really fucking cool. Uh, there's a couple different venues. There's a place called Berlin Under A. It's a it's a. It, no no sorry not Berlin Under A. Berlin, East Berlin, because there's two of them. There's Berlin under A, and there's East Berlin. 
Berlin Under is a down, downstairs venue, which is also really cool. And then Berlin, oh, same owners, which is on Avenue A, downtown. Uh, <clears throat> that's on the street level, but the place is like six. It's got this this round stage and these columns. It looks like looks like this East Berlin industrial kind of post-war so cool. bar. With the carpeted floor that's, you know, carpet floors are never a good thing in a bar. <laughs> yeah. But those places, you, if you, you bring your, your crowd and it's packed, packed to the, to the brim. And it's just, that's the coolest, the most tight-knit, energetic show. Rather than playing a bigger venue where you, you have to, like, reach out to everyone you know to try to sell tickets. Those shows are, like, always, those are the worst ones. But the, I, do you the have venue, to say, I definitely like the intimate ones. Like oh, the yeah, show sure. is really cool. Although that festival was probably the coolest thing ever. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would love to get that. that couldn't, couldn't deny that. Yeah, that was um, that was super cool. Yeah, festival yeah. shows where the crowd's built in. You don't really have to do. You just show up and do what you do. That's the best. Those are the best. Yeah, we lucked out. We played right after Seven Dust, and like there was just like oh, really? a sea of people, and they just like oh, they turn. And, and I tell you, you only have a, a little bit of time to take advantage because you know you're going to have people that are going to start going to get a drink or, or getting a shirt so you know we mm-hmm. had that i mean alex knows you had to like just like 20 minutes you know you travel 16 hour round trip for and two days three days four days where, if you stay where was it it was in virginia danville virginia yeah yeah oh, blue ridge shit. mountains yeah it was it was cool um but there's a lot of there's a lot of um controversy over like the fan side of it i I thought it was chaotic from the artist side but once we were back there it was cool chris jericho walked by me i saw the drummer from seven dust walk by me like it was so weird um a lot of like famous people and i met some cool people but um yeah like i know you were saying like i know the fans had like their own stuff that happened on their end but like from the artist standpoint like Honestly, everything kind of moved really smoothly on our yep. end. So I can't say I don't know what they're going through other than I was reading like their Facebook posts and was absolutely horrified at some of it, like right before I went. I was like, What happened? So <laughs> Loud Loudwire posted an article and when I saw it, I was like, Oh no. Um it said what and they you know, they post a lot of shit. They they cover a lot of yeah. festivals, but it's usually positive. This article just said, What happened at Blue Ridge? And I was like, oh no. So like we had we had fam we had one of our guitarist family come and he had to go through like like the regular the fan process to get there. And he said he was walking for 40 minutes and it was like a whole big thing. Camping got screwed up. All this all this stuff. I mean, if it's it's like you gotta feel bad because it was a massive festival. It was huge. Um and I think that you get to a point where the logistics or just too crazy for it to be yeah. easy, <laughs> you know, like, but I mean, at, at one point I think they were, I saw pallets of water and people were just grabbing the bottles of water. Like they were just giving away somebody. I don't know about you, Alex, somebody drove by in a golf cart full of COVID tests and we're just grabbing the COVID tests, you know, like they had just stacked high of COVID tests. And we, I, I came home. That was the only souvenir. I didn't buy any band shirt. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't buy anybody's shirt. I didn't buy anybody's shit. I came home with six COVID tests that we that played with for the next week. I was like, "Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Good today." Yeah, the festival dust. Yeah, yeah. I literally the date was I went there. I was there Friday too, and I wore a mask 
because and like right before I went on too because I couldn't like you're just inhaling and like there's just like the buses are going by backstage and the the golf carts which by the way I thank them so much because I literally had to get from point A to point B fast for multiple occasions and I just like hopped on a golf cart but you're inhaling the dust the entire time you're like yeah that's horrible that's terrible yeah, I, I'm surprised I didn't hear anything about like Blue Ridge. I had people like I had friends go to Blue Ridge. I had bands, you know, interviewed to play at Blue Ridge. I'm surprised I didn't really hear anything. But it, it's kind of funny. You get, oh, what, so what'd you get for Blue Ridge? I got six COVID tests. Yeah, I got. I just got to try. I was cleaning my truck out when we got home, and I was like, oh, COVID tests. And so yeah, I just used them. I mean, I saw them on the floor. Not gonna lie, but I didn't. No one gave me, or I didn't see them anyway. Yeah, they came up. They drove in a golf cart. They drove right up, and they're like, "Hey, I've had it. Just stacks of them, like just boxes of them." It's great. Like, All right, festival COVID test. Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's, that should be a shirt. I went to Blue Ridge, and all I got was this COVID test. Yeah, all I got is a COVID test. <laughs> Hundred and sixty thousand people, and they're just gonna hand out COVID tests. That was funny. Wow. Uh, so, so Chris, uh, so Wild Plains uh, recently played at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. So, how was that experience? It was really fucking awesome. Except the drive was <clears throat> just way too much. It was like fifteen-hour drives, two days in a row. It's thirty-hour drive total. Jeez. And uh, we stopped in Chicago on the way there, <clears throat> where we ended up meeting the drummer to Dirty Honey, and he gave us free tickets oh, to a show at and we went there. Uh, oh, he cool. got us like real close tickets at PNC, which is it's a cool venue. But those those outdoor venues, they, they you have all this great opportunity, but the sound system is like not that great. Yeah, like, yeah. What the fuck? But uh, the Sturgis was it was hot as fuck, and the, there was wildfires, I guess, up in Canada or whatever, whatever's going on, or California or Canada or both. I'm not sure what was happening. So the <laughs> much like the festival dust, except down here it was just smoke would settle in at nighttime, right around like six seven p.m. And then it would get dark, even though it was still sort of like summertime. The smoke would just block out the sun. You'd have this like golden fireball in the sky and no one could breathe. It was so fucking disgusting. Yeah. But other than that, though, it was, there was a lot of gang affiliation with the different motorcycle gangs. They had to, <laughs> get, the SWAT. They had to get like the state police, and the SWAT team and all the, all these, I don't know what happened. Something with the, uh, the outlaws and the, Hell's Angels wouldn't back down from like a standoff, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Oh my God. They had to escort the, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was the Hell's Angels or the Outlaws or someone <laughs> had to escort them out of town and like ban them from Sturgis forever because there was, uh, everyone had guns. Everyone had a gun. So no one, the cops were like outnumbered by far. <laughs> we're all sitting there, hey, what the fuck do you do? Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> good. Um, we played in the Loud American. We played on the Rally Point stage. We didn't get to see. We wanted to see like Kid Rock and all the artists play out the Blue Chip or the Buffalo Chip, which is like the big festival stage. We were out in the town on the on the bar stages, which are really cool. cool. Uh, other than a standoff, I can't, I can't believe yeah, you're banned from Sturgis. Please don't come back. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> crazy. Because they wouldn't they wouldn't back down, and I guess that's the rule. So. Gosh, I didn't. I didn't know. Didn't. A lot of a lot of wild, wild west, wacky rules out there. And there's nothing else out there besides Sturgis. Sturgis is a small town. It's one strip where all the motorcycles park. I mean, people are sleeping. One house would have two hundred dollars a night 
for a four by four plot of land on someone's yard in the grass where you can pitch a tent and, and sleep there every night. And that's, and that house and their yard would have 20 tents all around the other house. And they divide their, their rooms up for other people to stay. And people were just sleeping on bleachers. And bikes were getting towed every night. And people were stumbling, getting into fights in the street. It was relatively calm for what it could have been. Yeah. But uh, it was just, it was too much party. And it, it was, it's carnival food. So it's not like you're getting a good meal. You're getting a turkey leg. And a, and a, and a <laughs> and so it's just everyone's fucking swollen like a tick from all the sodium intake and beer. <laughs> it out all day. It's just terrible and great at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> guns, <laughs> heart attacks, fucking great. It was crazy, and every guy's yeah. the same guy. Everybody, <laughs> how do we do? So. Well, I'm glad to hear you had a fantastic time there and a drive there too and back. <laughs> you got Pastor Indiana, that's where I live, so there you go. I bet you yes, saw a bunch did. of corn. We saw a lot of corn and we saw a silo and we saw another silo and one tree in a field and more corn and field and field and silo and that's it. Uh, I like <laughs> the random billboards too. Like once you're like deep into like the cornfields, there's always random uh, billboards saying is God real or are you going to hell? Call this number. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's always those random billboards up. Wow. Have, yeah, billboards were on. I have a picture. We, have, we got so many pictures from that trip. But yeah, there's some wacky, wacky shit. We drove through the Badlands. Very creepy. Cool, yeah. but creepy as well. That sounds creepy. It's like, looks like Mars on Earth. Oh, wow. It's like green floor. It's like a mini Grand Canyon, but green. It looks like as if you were being on Mars. It's really, really fucking wow. spooky. Where There's is no that? Uh, it's in right before you get. It's like an hour from Sturgis. Okay. East. Wow. It's just one road, and the wind is just so fucking windy while you're driving. I, I thought we on our way back home. I had thought I'm driving home first like eight hours. That's only that's half the drive, eight hours. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah. I love yeah. It, I hate it. And then as we're driving, my I'm starting seeing light peek through the door jam. I'm like, man, someone broke into the van last night. I didn't even notice when I opened the door. I thought someone like tried to pry the door and bent it up, but the wind was so strong that it's bending our door open. What? So bad. And the whole time, we can get like six hours in a tank in our van. We got a, a transit van that we use and it's got the super high ceiling so it's like a kite as you're driving the wind just yeah fucking blows catch the wind so bad we, we can typically get five hours on a tank but we were getting an hour and a half on a full tank of gas it was costing us 80 dollars to fill up it was the most expensive field trip that's insane that is insane yeah fuck that <laughs> i'm glad you made it home, home. yeah nice. right jeez we barely broke even with the uh, how much the trip cost us to get out there with how much we got paid for every show. We played six shows. Wow. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, I got, I got six feet to the gallon. <laughs> <laughs> we're all hungover and tired and sick. And I, at, that, at that time, I had just 
a whole situation with my girlfriend now ex-girlfriend at the time blew up my face and then it was like driving home all sad uh while you were out there oh my god trying not to die either (laughs) trying not to die yeah get shot just go up to the house you know what can we just you just shoot me just kill me (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah back on track uh, so, have you guys played any shows together before? I know, obviously, uh, Nash and uh, Alexis, you played uh, Alex. Uh, sorry, you played uh, Blue Ridge together. But have you guys played any other shows together? Yeah, all, all three of you. I've played with Alex before at uh, what was that um, in the city Bowery Bowery Ballroom. Oh yeah. Oh, that was in a different band. I forgot about that. Was that that was a, what was the name of that band? So that was like a project thing. It was called On the Dark Side. Um, that was literally our first and show. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, that was yeah, a great that was night. Yeah, that was fun. Right. It was a fun show, but like the dynamic, everything, you know, it didn't work. Yeah, I. <laughs> this would be the first for me um, with, with playing with them. Um, you know, especially with COVID, <laughs> haven't really been playing with anybody. But um, so we're we're looking we're looking forward to it. I think I think honestly, this is the first time we've ever tried anything like this. Getting a bunch of bands that we know locally, you know, because it sort of turns into an industry. We sort of try to support each other a little bit. Um, you know, you kind of when you start doing it, um, you know, you kind of realize that. Uh, Bands could go one of two ways. They could either help each other out or they could kind of just, you know, fuck each other. And, you know, you bring some people, your band goes up, then your people leave. It's like you really would love to try to – it's the worst. And and it's like from a fan's perspective, you know it's not really their fault because you know that they don't really look at it like, you know, I'm I'm here to see Alex. I don't give a fuck about Cash or whoever else is playing, you know. Like they don't really care, but it's like you sort of – you sort of as a band, you kind of say, hey, stay for the show. We're going to hang out. We'll see some shit. We'll see some new music maybe. Um, so this this is cool just because we're all local. And if it works out, maybe we could do it again. Maybe we can sort of revive, you know, because playing locally in Rockland's good too because you don't have to travel 16 hours and possibly get yeah. shot. Well, you, you can get shot in Nyack <laughs> or, you know, Spring Valley or whatever. But, yeah, right. Yeah, I I I don't remember actually the last time we played Nyack was pre-COVID. I don't I don't think I've ever been in Nyack since I haven't been I've in Nyack since. You've never been in Nyack? I never played in Nyack. Oh, never played in Nyack. Yeah. We played we played <laughs> bars that have closed, bars that have I don't I don't know that that I mean Olives was cool for the original music scene sort of, I guess. Yeah. They really had what what do you have? Olives? Um, the back door. I never played the back door, but that was sort of like before my New York time because I moved here in like 2010 and then I 2011. I think 2011, yes. 2012 was really the last like two years of the back door, maybe. Backstage, what was it called? Yeah, back door. Back door. No, back door. That was the shit. I used to go to shows there all the time. I actually, weirdly enough, got up on stage and sang with the Always for one of their songs. Oh, wow. Really? Forever. Small world. <laughs> so remember Jaguar? Oh yeah! Wow! Oh wait, I was in that video. For <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I was also in one of the music videos. Wow! 
It's making making Talk connections all on this uh, podcast there. Podcast. Yeah. Matt, this one's going to blow up, man. There's a lot oh, of yeah. stuff happening in this one. All right, so kind of, since we're kind of going this direction, I was actually already planning to talk about it. So um, what is, like, the music scene where you guys are from, like, the New York, New Jersey area? What is, like, the music scene like there now? Like, we're starting to hopefully I think uh, you guys are opening up a little bit now as the year goes on. It's going to be hard-pressed to find something nice for me to say about that. <laughs> Yeah, music you Chris Chris started to allude to it earlier about the yeah it's tough anyway sorry I mean interrupt you that's all right uh, the New York City music scene is like at least this is my and and mine and Andre's feeling on it <clears throat> um, is that right before COVID I would say that there was start, a scene was beginning to blossom. At least that we what we saw. We started seeing the same faces come to shows. A lot of our shows, we were able to bring like an. It felt like the crowd was growing organically, and our friends would tell their friends. They'd bring out groups, and everyone was getting a little wild where they just wanted to have a crazy night. So they were going to go out and do whatever, anyways. So we could bring a decent crowd to a show, and then they'd come to the next show and the next show. We'd bring people in our van, but it was only right before COVID that we started seeing like the life at a show. Before that, it was like you're trying to sell as many tickets, bring people to the show, and you'd be trying to book these shows and get your get your friends to come out and have them bring their friends. But uh, as for a scene, it, it's very difficult to get the same bands and the same page to have like a like a scene. You know, the the scene would be like Pianos Downtown, Arlene's Grocery, a couple other small clubs. That those are the ones that we know that we're familiar with. There's a bunch of other ones at like the Bitter End. And, and uh, uh, you got like what's that one that's downtown? It's sort of like Sweeney Toddy. It's got a it's got a name like Debonair Music Hall, but it's not. Can't think. Uh, of Rockwood Music Hall. Not Rockwood. It's another good one though. Yeah, we played there. No, it's, I'm it's gonna certain. be no help. I've never been to that area ever. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot to you know. Like Debonair Music Hall is the old Mexicali. That that was like a a popping place. That would that would be a great venue. Um, yeah. That was definitely Yeah, the Mexicali was great. And Debonair Music Hall did a great job the way they set it up. It's going to be such a cool fucking show. Uh, that's a Saturday night. Thank God it's a Saturday night. Friday night shows are cool, but people got to get home from work and change and try to make it out. Yeah, so Saturday it's tough. It's like, thank God, it's amazing. Yeah. I've been to shows on like a weekday, and it really, like, it really shows that it's a weekday because not as many people are there. Yeah, the weekday shows. I mean, I understand they have to, you know, some have to get set up, but like they're not as fun. They're really not. Yeah, no, not when I gotta be up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know too. It's hard post COVID. I I of of the mind that COVID has changed a lot of things. It might have created an opportunity. Um, you know, to do something different, you know, the formula may have changed where that you don't necessarily have to go sell a shit ton of tickets or whatever and, and do all this yeah. stuff. But I think it's still in that weird recovery. People don't know what to do. People don't know if they want to go out. People, they're prioritizing um, certain things over stuff like shows, maybe. I mean, Blue Ridge was phenomenal. It's packed. The, the motorcycle rally yeah. sounds like it's the same thing. So it's not that people aren't going. 
but you know and bands too i think they're flocking you know we played starland ballroom um we had a really good show at starland ballroom before covid and it was looking like they were going to have us back we were you know talks talking with them trying to get something going and then COVID happened, and now it's like I don't even know if it's worth reaching out to them at this point because they're trying to still do their big, you know, their big shows. Yeah, they're trying to get their money back. We yeah, had, we had at Starland, and we were supposed to open for that band Kicks, you know, like the '80s rock band. Right. Yeah. You know the song like "Blow My Fuse." The, it it was a hit for the time, and it makes sense for the time. Yeah. <laughs> Classic '80s. And then they get on stage and then they just talk shit. Man, the record companies and these skinny little <laughs> guy with blonde hair. They fucked us. We had the mansions. We had the cars. We had the girls. And they took it from us. But uh, they they just gave us like the temporarily permanent postpone. Yeah, I had I saw a band that happened. We, I mean, we played in November and then it was March of that year that it all hit. So it was like we were lucky, but yeah. That I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I. No, I also, I played um, Blackthorn in January 2020. And that was always a great venue for me because I guess my stuff is a little bit harder rock. And it, that's like a very metal venue. And every time I played a show there, like, it's just always been such a great response to everything, especially people had no idea who I was. Um, and I had some people that would come out then when I would play more shows there. So they actually closed, like their venue closed. Yeah, um, I played a revolution that. a little while before that. I think I played, oh, I played revolution November of 2019. They closed. And it was like, for me, I'm like sitting here watching all the venues that I play at just disappear because of COVID. Right. And I had a lot of shows that were booked up. Um, some of them in like Pennsylvania and whatnot, and they were canceled and because we didn't know the state of the world. And even now, like, it's hard. And like, I'm still on, like, not even trying to like book a lot of shows because I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, and you tell me about this one, I was like, hell yeah, like this is, it's a set show. I know they're not gonna, you know, it's set in stone and it's gonna happen. But I had a lot of things that were like, well, maybe we have to see what the state of the world is like. And just like that, not knowing is really frustrating. So I was just kind of like focusing on writing and doing like the social media aspect of shit for the time being. But, and in terms of like the music scene, like there is no music scene around Rockland, to be honest, there's like, there's none. And I think also like the genre of choice is very different around here. But um, like you're saying, you know, we went up to Blue Ridge and there was like what, 40,000 people there a day. And everyone was so into it and like the energy was so great. And then I actually went to the Megadeth show at PNC. Um, oh, cool. Like a couple days after, it, what was it? Like Trivia, Megadeth, uh, Lamb of God. And in Flames? Or are they backed out? Hatebreed, Hatebreed. Yeah, okay. Hatebreed plays them. And uh, a friend of mine got me tickets for it. And it was like, again, it was like COVID never happened and everyone was like all into it. And then I come back to like where I am and I'm like, no one listens to any of the same music that I do. So it's, yeah. just, it's very, very weird, but frustrating. It's like, where do you, where do you go to find a scene? Yeah. Um, Ron, that was in uh, the always Ron Geffen. Uh, he's out in LA and we went out there last year, I guess. And he's like, dude, the scenes, out, the scene out here is amazing. But it's like, I, I don't see, I don't see what he's talking about. No, nothing. First of all, I went there and nothing was open. 
We weren't allowed in any restaurant or anything like that. He was like, before COVID happened, he was crazy. And maybe he's right, but I don't know the LA crowds for me. I'm like East Coast to my core, but there's nothing out here. Like, where do you go? You got to, unless you have a, a, a series of, uh, or a handful of local bands that are just going to pound the pavement and, and just get to it, which we can, we could start something. We could try to create some sort of. We uh, should get like rings, like fucking Captain Planet. You know, like, is that, am I am I dating myself with that reference? But like, you know, we kind of fucking. I don't know That's what that superhero man. looks like, but showing your age a little bit there, Joe. Yeah, I know. I should have picked something else. I don't, I don't know. Infinity Stones. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know uh, anything really trying to to make something work. Yeah. It's really trying to focus on like. Every every other aspect of the band, it'd be helpful if we had like one person just making it all work. And then we can focus on writing music, recording it. And yeah, and the, the, pro- the, the problem is you – go back to the other point about the manager. Like you you, you need somebody who's not going to fuck you. You need somebody who is going to do, let's face it, a lot of work for probably not a lot, if anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coordinating different people. Like, you know, and again, like Alex was saying, you start to say, okay, let me focus on this. Like we we recorded a song. We did a music video. We're doing a PR thing. So we're like, oh, that's that's great, that's great, and then you start to forget that maybe we should also, and maybe this is what partially what the show is going to be about, where you you do a little, maybe kind of get together and start to do that, and you start to be like, fuck, but if I spend all my time doing that, what if that doesn't do anything? And you know, trying to revive music in Rockland is is, you know, I mean, people have paved the way doing stuff like that, and it's like any other thing, you you roll the dice, you take a risk, and hopefully. Hopefully the time you put into it works. Um, yeah. What venues are there? That's that's my. That's I, keep, my I know. I I keep thinking olives. I know people. It gets mixed results. Um, yeah. I know there's the. Olive, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I was thinking like dingbats. Mm-hmm. I know there's one in. Actually, they may have closed. Where's dingbats? It's in Jersey, Clifton. Is, is the Clash oh, bar? Uh, I don't know. Do you know the Clash bar? And it was—I think it's in Clifton as well. Is it the one that's like right across from it? Because that's own that's... same owners. So yeah, I think it's the one that's across from it. No, that's Dingo's Den. Dingo's Den. That's owned by. Yep, that's owned by the same. I don't know if they do uh, bands. I think it's literally like if you want bands, go to Dingbats. If you want. Um, a clash bar, man. That sounds familiar. Did we play there? It's like it's like cut out of the eighties. It's got mirrored walls. It's all mirrors, and then it's got carpeted floors, and it's got the uh, like the bowling alley tables. Wow. <laughs> they may have clothes, though. Carpeted floors is never a good thing. No, it's not. But that's kind of funny. So, like, you know, like the scene where, where I'm at. I mean, uh, I, I I wasn't really super active before COVID, so I can't really speak to it. But like. I mean, there's some bands trying, but like I go to a local show where I'm at, and maybe there's like 20 people there. But I went to Cleveland for a show, and uh, it was packed. It, it was it was full to capacity, packed. And like I come back to Indiana, I'm like, where where is everybody? Yeah, <laughs> favorite cities. Yeah, but again, sometimes sometimes it's packed. Yeah, but maybe that market's a little inundated, yeah. and it's hard to you know like actually, funny enough, maybe Rockland kind of sucking. Dick right now would be a great place to try to start. 
or you put a lot of time into it and it doesn't do anything. So it's, yeah. it's, um, it's hard to make that call because you want to put time in it. You know, you know that if you're writing a song, you know, you're going to get somewhere, you know, when you record and that, you know, you're going to have something, you know, if, if I decide I'm going to do 10 shows at Olive's, it may not do anything. And like Alex said, I think may, I don't know if you were alluding to this, but I feel like metal is such like a, this is such a, like a high demand. I, I always, I love metal too. I'm a big kill switch engage fan. I'm a big fan of in flames. I'm a big fan. of A lot of these bands that we are not, but um, I feel like there's so many of those bands coming out and people just love that stuff. Um, and, you know, sometimes I sit in, in, in our music, I'm like, shit, we're trying to compete with all these other guys that we don't even really belong in the same genre. So um, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Especially right now with, with everything still, as Alex said, like you, you can make plans today and everything could be closed tomorrow or it could be the, the show could be off or like, it just won't work. It's like, you just really, you never really know. And especially like for me, like I don't have a team, like everything that I do is literally me. I book the shows. I do every aspect of everything. So it's like, it's hard for me to like spend my time like focusing on shows when I don't even know if they're going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like trying to figure out where to put my energy for the time being. Um, but yeah, like I wish we had venues and like a market for rock music, but there is none here. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I know Ma actually Massachusetts apparently like has a really good like rock kind of thing. Oh, them Pennsylvania I mean they're close to us but like I'm more so like even just kind of looking out there at this point because mm -hmm. I feel like here it's I don't know I'm like writing all this down I'm like <laughs> Pennsylvania has a pretty cool scene we played there a bunch of times and uh there's a there's a, a series of bands even Philly's got a pretty good scene down there for rock Philly's got some yeah. really cool rock bars venues that uh I have some friends down there that are in really like metal bands that, and they play in Philly all the time, <clears throat> all the time, and they get a lot of people out to come to the show. So they definitely have a good crowd down there. Um, yeah, uh, Scranton's got a good scene. I think of another good scene, but not, not a good scene, but a scene of some sort. <laughs> it, it exists. Really nothing near us. It's kind of there. All right, so what? Don't want to uh, keep you guys for too much longer. So just one more uh, thing I did want to cover before we sign off. Uh, so from my research, you guys are all uh, independent, meaning not signed to a label, correct? Yeah. Uh, we're, we have a, uh, we're signed to a British label, uh, like a distribution deal. Yeah. I don't know okay. if you consider that like truly signed to a label. You know, it's a distribution deal. But yeah, we're signed to Heavy Metal Records um, out of the UK. I didn't. So I see. See, why do I... I make notes for no reason. <laughs> anyway, but I think hey, you you can all learn. Yeah, th thanks, Joe. You had to mess up my next question. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, just kidding. We're not signed. Yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, but I think you still you can still uh, touch on it. So, like, what are some like the challenges, advantages of being an independent band? Challenges and advantages. Yes. Um. Well, I I only know being independent, so I'd say challenges getting your music out there uh, f f frequently enough. You know, you can post a song and then 
it's posted that one time, but unless you put money into your posts all the time, constantly staying up on marketing of it, that's going to fall by the wayside and not be in someone's ad every time they click next on the store on Instagram or see it as they scroll by on Facebook. So it takes a lot of your own money out of your pocket. So you got to work a nine to five or a seven to five in my case, seven to four. <clears throat> and then break your ass and then get home and be exhausted and still got to write your own music, still got to book your own shows, still got to manage your time, still got to set up everything you got to do all on your own while being tired and depressed. So that's the challenge of uh, being independent. But I guess on the upside is that I can, we can pretty much make our own decisions whenever we want. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you with that. I have a full-time, well, it sounds like a part-time partial job. I basically, I have three jobs. So I understand that the, the being exhausted and then every single cent that you make is going right back into there. So you're broke and you're like, I, but I'm working three jobs. This makes no sense. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it's the, it's the getting yourself out there and not having a team to like push everything forward. And unless you're putting money into promotion and all that shit, then nothing really gets seen. And also another thing I've also come into contact with, especially like trying to book shows is people not taking you seriously because again, like I don't have a booking agent. So I'm myself representing myself trying to give you a product and you being like, mm, well, are you signed or whatnot? And then also as silly as it sounds like a lot of people and it sounds so, this sounds so stupid, but if you're not like verified on like social media with that little stupid check mark, a lot of times people don't take you seriously. And if you're trying to like, you know, book a venue or a location or whatever it is. So I guess trying to be taken seriously as an artist is frustrating. But also like Chris said, like the fact that you own your music at the end of the day, everything gets back to you and you don't have a label telling you like, no, we don't really like this song. I mean, actually that might be a good thing if someone could be like please don't do this and then because right now it's yeah. just i like here you go and then later i'm like ah, that sucks. <laughs> but um you know having the freedoms and owning your own writing and publishing aspect of it but it's a you know double-edged sword gotcha uh, joe would you like to add anything um i mean Since you're label aside we're, we have not gotten any i mean they're great people we get a lot of advantage i mean these guys they were they they were back back in the 70s with the new wave of british heavy metal they were like i think they they had diamond head under their label bands like that the, the owner knows the rolling stones but it hasn't really materialized any like major advantage like alex said sometimes when we go to book a show and say hey we're signed to a label uh, at the time we had management which was how we got signed to a label um so a lot of that so without that it's tough um you know, yeah, you're going, I mean, I have, I'm a little older. I have two kids. I have a wife, you know, it's, I have a full-time job, you know, trying to balance all that stuff. Um, and you know, and yeah, I think honestly, all that aside, I think the hardest part is getting people to take you seriously, but, but like, you know, like you have to get noticed among, I mean, any asshole can start a band, you know, anybody with, there's a lot of now more than now more than any time there's all this equipment that you can put a lot of stuff out there and now you're competing with actually it's funny the other day i saw something on facebook where somebody i think it was uh papa roach was like hey who should we tour with and then there was just all the band names you know there was not one like regular person name there was just all like these bands and i'm just scrolling through i was like oh my god there's so many fucking bands out there 
there's so many fucking people out there, you know, and you're all, you know, I don't want to say you're competing against one another, but there's only so much space for everybody, you know? So, um, it's trying to find a new, a new way to get noticed. It's a new, a new way to put it out there. Chris said it, you know, you can't just dump money into, into ads. You have to know how to use it. You have to know how to use the algorithm, you know? Like you got to know how to use all that shit. I don't know any of it. You know, it took me 17 hours to set up this fucking camera. You know, so <laughs> I think I missed, the, uh, I missed the boat on the age. Like my sister's really good at that shit. And she's younger, but like I don't know how to do the social media shit. I don't know what tags to put for the day. How to day trade your your post and your, your yeah. hashtags. Yeah. I'll be honest. I live on social media because I'm trying to figure out how the fuck the kids these days use it. And <laughs> I mean, you see these people like on TikTok that have like hundreds of thousands of followers and they're like, I'm going to be a musician. And then they put out a song that's, I'm sorry, trash because trash. they're not singing. They're not, they're not artists, but they have a following and then they get signed. And it's this whole like talking about there's, you know, only a certain amount of space and it's being taken up by people that by I shit. Think yeah yeah but you really don't contribute to anything so it's you're you're fighting to get your slot and your space and your time with people that aren't even putting into it and it's like i wish we could go back to the days when talent really meant something you know because like, oh, yeah. If, yeah i think we're all kind of in the same boat with that yeah it just amazes me like to go like with along with you said like i i listen and watch other podcasts and like some like I don't know how, they, how do you get these many views? Because like it's you know it's not that good. You know to be honest, like it's not that great. The interview wasn't super impressive, or like the audio wasn't great, or like the guest wasn't into it. It was just like how do how do you have these many views for? Like, I honestly I think some of my podcasts probably better, including this one right now. Um, it's just weird, like what 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 get views and what doesn't, and it really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and some of it. We have a friend who's on tour right now. He actually played Blue Ridge as well, and he's on tour right now with uh, Fozzie. And he, I think he's probably out of anybody I know, musician wise, he's probably in the best spot. He's a young dude. He actually worked at a at a marketing company, so it's like he oh, set himself up. What's that? I know you're talking about Joe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Joe's a good friend of ours. We had we um. Joe, we're shouting you out now. You're getting a shout out. Um, he he um, he played with us when he was a kid. You know, he, he, he we we had him join us on stage when he was, I got a barely a teenager, and now he's on tour. And but I think it's like he just knows a lot of shit, you know. Um, and we're like, give us the coattails, bro. What's going on? What's going on here? Of a great dude, but I, it's the the point is is that he's able to sort of navigate this better than a guy like me because, um, you know he's he, it's almost like he figured it out ahead of the game. You know, he said, "I want to learn this so I could do this and get here." I know there's a lot of luck in there, but, um, you know, it's one of those. If I could go back, I would start reading more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. If I can go back, is uh, I never stop saying that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Just go back. Yeah, all the money, all the money we spent. And time, money and time. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and sanity. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I didn't oh, think God. about it like that. Try being a band with three or bro- or two of your brothers. It's a fucking nightmare sometimes. <laughs> my sister could play an instrument. I'd put her in the band in a heartbeat. I'm like, let's go. Yeah, it's 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 fun, and then it has its moments. But it's 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 great. I you know I I who knows if if we didn't have this, if we would have hung out as much as we do. But so yeah. that part's really cool. That's awesome. At least you guys still talk to each other too. I know. <laughs> And uh, and Johnny, who Chris knows, he's he's he he was running our merch table at Blue Ridge, so we got nice. a lot of support, you know, in and out out of the band. So it's it's. I know cool. Johnny too. Sorry, CC. You know Johnny. Oh Everybody my God. knows Johnny. Everybody knows Johnny. <laughs> I know everybody apparently. Yeah, right. I mean, what's going on here? Do you know my mom, Alex? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Matt, you should have my brother on. I don't know why you got well, me on. I'm boring. Get him on. I didn't here. ask for you. I just they just said <laughs> match. Well, I fucked this up. I gotta text them when I leave because this whole setup is meant for like one dude. This is like my gaming setup here. And it's like only meant for one guy. James texts me. He's like, Hey, I'm outside. I was like, I was like, bro, I don't have another headset. If I get the the the, the speaker, it might get feedback. Get the fuck out of here. Like he literally was outside the house and I told him to go home. So they he's probably mad at me right now. On his phone or something. Anyway, I panicked. I fucking panicked. <laughs> yeah. All right, and he well, comes at like seven fifty nine. So I'm like, uh, ah. yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we reached the end of this podcast. We're almost uh, actually going to be an over an hour here. But thank you guys so much for hanging out. Please, if you're in the New Jersey, New York area, definitely see all these great bands live. October thirtieth, Debonair Music Hall. It's going to be a great time. As you heard from all these great artists, they're awesome people. So please check them out. I'm going to leave links for the event for all these bands in the description of this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us, Matt. Man, that's awesome. Of course, yeah, of course, we need to do. And I'll see you guys in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to sign off real quick. So for Joe Nash of the band Nash, for Chris of the band Wild Plains, and Alex from Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'm your host as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Stay frosty.